Well, Lord, give us ears to hear and eyes to watch so that we may know your presence right here, right now, during this holy season of joy as we celebrate the coming of Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, in whose name we pray, amen. When our reading from the book of Isaiah was written about 730-something B.C., King Ahaz had big worries. Ahaz was the king of Judah, and he was worried about what two neighboring kings, Rezin and Pekah, were about to do. Rezin was the king of Aram, what we call Syria these days, and Pekah was the king of Samaria now what we call Israel. These two kings were planning to invade Jerusalem to force Ahaz to join their alliance against another big worry, Assyria. Now Assyria was the dominant military power in the region. Ahaz was not the only one worried. We read that the people, when the people heard, the hearts of the people shook as the trees of the forest shake when there is a wind. But the Lord said to Isaiah, Go out to meet Ahaz, you and your son, at the end of the channel of the upper pool by the road to the field where the laundry is washed, and say, Be careful. Stay calm. Don't fear. Don't lose heart over these two pieces of smoldering torches. And speaking of the feared invasion, God tells Ahaz, Therefore, thus says the Lord God, It shall not stand, and it shall not come to pass. And God also tells Ahaz, If you do not stand firm in faith, you shall not stand at all. So, if Ahaz doesn't panic, things will turn out okay. But you just know that the heart of King Ahaz will be ruled by fear. And that that is what leads up to the conversation between the prophet, speaking what God's told him, and the king, who isn't listening at all. So now, in Isaiah 7, listen for the word of God. Again, the Lord spoke to Ahaz, saying, Ask a sign of the Lord your God. Let it be deep as Sheol or high as heaven. But Ahaz said, I will not ask and I will not put the Lord to the test. Then Isaiah said, Hear then, O house of David, is it too little for you to weary mortals that you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Look, the young woman is with child and shall bear a son and shall name him Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey, and by the time he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, for before the child knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread will be deserted. Then turning to a reading from Paul's letter to the Romans, the first chapter, first verse. From Paul, a slave of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for God's good news. 
God promised this good news about his son ahead of time through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. His son was descended from David. He was publicly identified as God's son with power through his resurrection from the dead, which was based on the spirit of holiness. This son is Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him we have received God's grace and our appointment to be apostles. This was to bring all Gentiles to faithful obedience for his name's sake. You who are called by Jesus Christ are also included among these Gentiles. To those in Rome who are dearly loved by God and called to be God's people, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, Lord, may my words and our thoughts be acceptable in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Have you ever asked for a sign from God? Have you ever been in some situation when you did not know what to do, did not know what to choose, and you prayed, Lord, give me a sign? Well, I have... I have some friends who were missionaries in Columbia, not Columbia, South Carolina, Columbia, South America. With all the turmoil that the drug business had put that country in, they were growing more and more concerned, not just for themselves, but for their several young children. So one night as they lay in the relative safety of their hallway, they prayed about whether they should stay in Colombia or come home to the United States. Now, when you hear that people did not feel safe in the outer rooms of their house and had to shelter their family in the hallway, you know that they were there because they were committed to the work they were doing in Colombia. So they prayed out loud, Lord, give us a sign. And at that very moment, boom, a rock came crashing through a window and our friend Carol said that's when I started packing <laughs> well or in, in Thursday's News and Observer Rabbi Mark Gelman uh, wrote about how he and his long term writing buddy Father Tom Hartman began their unusual partnership of a priest and a rabbi writing together Gelman's secretary had booked him without him knowing it on a local TV show to talk about Passover and Easter. Well, he showed up and the first thing the interviewer asked him was, how are Passover and Easter different? And Gelman said, there are no chocolate bunnies in Passover and there's no horseradish in Easter. <laughs> well, he and the priest headed off and after the TV show, they chatted in the TV station's parking lot. And Gelman told Father Tom, well, he'd loved it talk more and hang out more and get to know each other, but he said, I'm headed off to a job in Florida. The priest paused for a moment and thought about it and said, no, you're not going to Florida. And the rabbi said, now really? Do you usually intrude on somebody else's major life decisions when you've known them less than two hours? Well, the priest explained he had had an unusual dream the night before. 
in which he felt that God had told him, tomorrow you're going to meet someone, tell him, I'm not through with you here. And that's how they started writing this column that was for several decades. Well, you and I may not have asked for signs like my missionary friends, and we may never have received a message from God in a dream, especially a stranger's dream, but we've had situations where we wanted, we needed, we longed for a sign from God, or at least a little hint as to what we needed to do. But wait, in our story about the prophet Isaiah and King Ahaz, not only did the king not ask for a sign, he turned one down when it was offered. Remember Isaiah said, Ask a sign of the Lord your God, let it be as deep as Sheol, some translations say as deep as the grave, or as high as heaven. And Ahaz said, Oh, I'm not going to put the Lord to the test. Well, that sounds like a real pious, righteous thing to say. In fact, you know someone else who quoted that verse. In Matthew 4, for example, we read about how when Jesus was tempted by Satan to throw himself off a high place, and the devil said, oh, you know, angels will catch you and lift you up. It says so in the Bible. Jesus quoted from Deuteronomy 6, telling Satan, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. In fact, it's in there several times. But Ahaz was not just doing like the Bible said. That was his cover story. You see, he did not want to sign because Ahaz had already made up his mind what he was going to do. There's a writer I've mentioned before named Ambrose Bierce. He wrote a, he compiled a dictionary of witty definitions that he called the Devil's Dictionary. A few months ago, I think I mentioned that he defined peace as periods of cheating between periods of war. Well, his, his definition for consult, to consult is to seek another's approval of a course already decided on. Ahaz was refusing a sign because he had already decided what he was going to do. He was going to collaborate. He's going to make alliances with those two smaller countries, Aram and Ephraim. He's going to make alliances with them against the big country, Assyria. But if he had asked for and received a sign, Ahaz, he'd have to pay attention to it. So that's why he said, no, no, no sign for me. In his foolishness, in his faithlessness, Ahaz figured he knew better than the prophet and he knew better than God. Well, in my, in my work as a psychologist, sometimes people would talk about some decision and they were struggling with and they'd say, well, my head tells me to decide A, but my heart tells me to decide B. And I'd ask them, in your experience so far, which one of those plans has worked out better for you in the long run? Or to put it another way, if Dr. Phil, you know, TV's Dr. Phil, were around in the days of Isaiah and King Ahaz, Dr. Phil would be asking the king about using his own judgment, you know, How's that working out for you? <laughs> well, I have to say, it did not work out well. You can read over in the 28th chapter of Second Chronicles. It kind of sums up Ahaz's life. And just the first verse was a good summary. He said, Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he ruled for 16 years in Jerusalem. He didn't do 
He did not do what was right in the Lord's eyes, unlike his ancestor David. Ahaz had the problem that many people had. He had more fear than he had faith. He had more confidence in his ability to make deals with neighboring kings than he did in God to guide him or to save him. Now you may just be wondering, what's this story about sorry old King Ahaz? What's that got to do with Christmas? What's it got to do with us? Well, I'll tell you. First, we need to do what Ahaz did not do. When faced with a crisis and great fear, he needed to listen to God's message through Isaiah to be careful, stay calm, don't fear, don't lose heart. And secondly, we need to be alert and listening for the ways God does speak to us. Sometimes through his word in the Bible, sometimes through people and events that God has put in our lives. And what does all this have to do with Christmas, you ask? Well, the easy answer is that Matthew quotes this very passage in Isaiah as he tells about what he calls the genesis of Jesus. But in his letter to the Romans, Paul really tells it. God promised this good news about his son ahead of time through his prophets, like Isaiah, in the Holy Scriptures. His son was descended from David. He was publicly identified as God's son with power through his resurrection from the dead, which is based on the spirit of holiness. This son is Jesus Christ our Lord, and through him we've received God's grace and our appointment to be apostles. This is something given to everyone. We are called by Jesus Christ. We are included in God's family. Well, that's it. Whether you ask for it or not, like old King Ahaz, even if you said no, no, no to a sign, God has sent the ultimate sign of his love for us and the basis for our trust, our faith, our hope, Jesus Christ. Born in a humble setting, raised to work with his hands, be a carpenter like his daddy Joseph. You remember last week I mentioned that scene where John the Baptist's followers were sent to Jesus to ask, are you the Messiah or should we wait for another? And Jesus told them, go tell John, tell him what you've seen and heard, the blind receive sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have good news brought to them. Jesus Christ came in history, in mystery, and in majesty, the greatest sign of God's love for you and me. The question is, are you going to refuse this sign like stubborn old King Ahaz, or are you going to accept him as your Lord and Savior? Thanks be to God. Unlike Ahaz, don't be afraid to ask for a sign. And unlike most of us, pay attention. There are signs around us if we are watchful. And now, as Paul said in his letter to the Romans, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ.